Good. I'm good. I'm reading uh reading my my old newspaper, seeing what's going on in the in the world. Are you really? Uh no, no, I'm not because I was about to on... say, aren't aren't we like both under blankets right now? How can you see a newspaper? <laughs> no, I'm I read my newspaper every Saturday morning and I used to read it Saturday and Sunday and then my newspaper cut their Sunday service, which broke my heart. But mm. uh yeah, I, I get a, a newspaper in my house uh every day every day still which is cool cool yeah i don't read it during the week but you know gotta support i'm a pretend student so i just get it from <laughs> campus yeah, but you, you, you walk by like <laughs> you walk by like stacks of newspapers and people probably trying to push them on you oh no they don't do that anymore oh i used to be one of those people it was one of my many jobs in undergrad it's trying to give people free metros <laughs> <laughs> on street corners. Sometimes, like, the, the thing that would work the best for me, this is all a precursor to my illustrious organizing career. <laughs> the thing that would work for me was that I would hide the stack of newspapers and be like, come on, you're my last one. Please just take it. And everyone would take it. And that's how I would get rid of them really quickly so I could <laughs> go back to studying. <laughs> <laughs> that that's um that is a that's actually like a university level knowledge on how to flyer <laughs> it really did help me later on in my bid to become elected multiple times on the campus anyway <laughs> no it didn't no. <laughs> what really helped was having to sell credit cards at zellers when i was a cashier <laughs> i was excellent at that <laughs> They gave us so much shit for selling credit cards. And I was like 15 and I was like, yeah, I'm going to win all of this crap. And I did. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's how I learned how to organize everybody. It's the same thing. <laughs> so what you're saying is that the service industry is critical uh, to leftist organizing. Man, if I didn't have to be that cashier for so long, there'd be no BLM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being ridiculous, everybody. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> That's not true. But I did. But I did. I did actually. Um, and I've said this before. I did learn a lot of uh, really crucial <laughs> organizing skills through selling credit cards, which is, uh, you know, an awful thing that I wish I didn't have to do. But I was a kid and I had no money and I was intending to go to school and Knowledge is classed. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Very good. What we're going to be talking about today. Um, knowledge is classed, and so that was that's all I had. And so I learned how to very effectively uh, stop people from ignoring me when they found out that I was only trying to sell them credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it really well. <laughs> oh yes, the old credit card salesperson. Mm-hmm. Now only an airport phenomenon for some reason. Yeah, very weird. Anyway, knowledge is classed, okay? So if I was going to get ac access to a certain kind of knowledge, yeah, I needed to, um, you know, be useful to the capitalist machine and, mm -hmm. and sell those credit cards. But there's other ways that people are prevented from accessing certain types of knowledge a lot of which 
Lenore and I have talked a lot about on this show before, obviously one that's very, very obvious is tuition fees acts as a barrier um, to acquiring certain types of knowledge. And there's a, a funnel effect to that, an upside down funnel, maybe a mountain, I don't know, a volcano <laughs> effect to that, where tuition <laughs> fees get higher and higher as the knowledge that our society values uh uh, for the disciplines that our society values more and more. Because, you know, let's be clear, there's all sorts of knowledge that uh, if, you, if you're if you not wealthy, you have access to. And in fact, that knowledge is really important, like how to stretch a dollar. Like that's a really important type of knowledge, the knowledge of being working class and what it means, um, the knowledge of collectivized power and so on. But that knowledge isn't valued by our society. And... Or like the knowledge of um, how to do domestic work, knowledge of how to look after children, and so on. Again, th- this type of knowledge isn't valued by our society. So to get it, you don't need to spend a lot of money. But the knowledge that is very valued by our society, for example, uh, you know, extracting teeth <laughs> is a random example, <laughs> is highly... It's very... It's, that's thank a good you. one. <laughs> is highly classed. Um, But there is a new kind of classed knowledge that we find ourselves, I don't know, uh, confronted with. Yeah. um, A lot recently. Yeah, well, there's there's a fundamental shift in the kind of knowledge that is news. Mm-hmm. and how you get news and where you get news and what news that you get. And the shift is that there was a there was a massive disruption in the 1990s where people could get news more and more on the internet. And we mm-hmm. pay for the internet, but what is on the internet is free. Mm-hmm. And we st- started less and less getting our news and information and analysis from newspapers. And so we stopped buying them. And this crisis has created a situation today where uh, you either purchase your news through uh, your TV subscription. So you're, you'll get television shows for your TV subscription, or you can pick it off off the air for free. Right, the airwaves in Canada are public are public good, and so you could pick up some channels. It's not off the air anymore. I know that. Whatever you can still pick it up digitally, uh, and you've got the radio, and you got the public broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But paywalls are more and more the norm in Canadian news now. Mm-hmm. And what is that doing to us? Well, it's allowing, it's, you know, I, I use my incognito window a lot more than <laughs> I did before. Yeah. I mean, they got really sophisticated, eh? Because remember back in the day when the paywall, like, just kind of, like, shaded your screen? And you're like, I could I could still read this. Like, I'm reading And two- I can still scroll. <laughs> I, can- <laughs> I can still scroll. I can still read Two read lines this. at a time, but I can still see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, paywall. So this is the paywall episode, and um, and and we're gonna investigate and and discuss why paywalls are anti 
people <laughs> and bad for democracy and shitty and annoying. And we all hate them. <laughs> yeah. And this came up because there was a kind of bombshell report that came out in the Globe and Mail about some improper goings on between our um, prime minister and ruling party and SNC-Lavalin that uh, the Globe and Mail released. And what is often done with sites that do have paywalls is if there is like a bombshell story or a super crisis or something like that, they will remove the paywall for uh, for a a story that they think that everyone should just have access to. And the Globe and Mail did not remove their paywall on this really major bombshell story. And so on Twitter, there was a little, I think it was Jonathan Goldsby, who just said, wow, I, I don't know any other, you know, place who has like such a hard uh, paywall like this. Um, and then, you know, Nora said that uh, knowledge is classed and, we got to thinking like what a what a what a great framework to talk about the next episode. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's one of these difficult issues because uh too way too many journalists posit this with well, you know, you just want us to work for free, like there's no other way to do this than a paywall, like as if you know, we can't actually be smart enough to think of different ways to get around the fact that people do need to be paid and these things do need to be solvent while at the same time we actually do need to make sure that people have access to news because as paywalls become more and more the norm, so like as you can't read the Toronto Star unless you fucking get it, like pay them, mm -hmm. you're squeezed out of their news. Mm -hmm. And if you're squeezed out of their news, you're squeezed out of the news of the Globe and Mail, you're squeezed out of the news of the National Post, like, well, whatever, big fucking deal. Um, <laughs> you... <laughs> Agreed. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you find yourself going where for your information. Like there's it is not a fucking coincidence that as as the Internet becomes more restrictive, as there are more paywalls and, and, and discussions about throttling websites or blocking websites, as that becomes more the norm, that fake news perpetuates itself more and more because people want knowledge but if I can't share an article and say oh my god this is I can't believe Doug Ford's done this or oh my god I can't believe John Horgan's done this and and have people be able to read it that actually has a that has a profound impact on who has access to the democratic enabling news system that we say the mainstream press is and 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 it also enables like the really effective organizing of the alt-right because guess what will remain free no matter what <laughs> shit news <laughs> shit news that's not real because it, it, <laughs> it and it, it has this um a campaign goal and that campaign goal is to get specific types of information a specific lens of information to people no matter what and if people can't get access to legitimate news sources, which, you know, let's be honest, are already like lacking quite a bit and leaves us wanting. But it's it's what we've got. Right. If people can't have access to that, they will still get news. It'll just be uh, from 
a Twitter feed that's resharing some other source or Facebook or whatever. We, we've always, as communities, shared news through word of mouth in some way. Social media um, uh, buttresses that or like has created a new level of that for us. But that the source of where that's coming from is going to change. And so, you know, the the difficulty is that there's a lot of internalists who will say, Nora, well, people have to pay for the news or we can't hire journalists and it will be the end of the industry. Right. And as such, the solution is paywalls. Yeah, exactly. I get that the industry is 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 riddled with anxiety like journalist layoffs are the norm I get that but uh, partly this conversation was uh triggered by a conversation I had on Twitter with Marsha Lederman who's a Globe and Mail arts reporter um she actually was a sessional or like a she was a prof but like anyway I had her as a prof for a little bit of time so I don't even know if she remembers that she probably doesn't (laughs) uh, because it was not (laughs) it was not the full semester but this it's like she instantly was like, I can't believe you want me to work for free or whatever. And it's like, OK, you have a staff position. I literally am working for free for a good chunk of like my biggest project right now. So like, let's not fucking get all uh, who's going to work for free. I'm not suggesting that. I think it sucks that I have to work for free and I don't want anyone to work for free, obviously. But like these like putting these decisions into um, a binary that it's like your 90 cents uh, a week is paying that journalist is such bullshit because it pretends that, that these newspapers are not owned by extraordinarily wealthy individuals or groups or hedge funds. Oh God, Nora, you're revealing too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous, right? It's like, sorry, you have a shit business model that fucking doesn't give a rat's ass about the, about the news it produces. It doesn't give a rat's ass about any of the people that it employs. It certainly doesn't give a rat's ass that poor people won't get access to news because the policies that they want us to have in this country are the policies that fuck poor people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, the, this is not difficult stuff. Like, Bell owns a huge chunk of media in this country, a huge chunk of television and radio news. How much money did they make last year? They make billions. Yeah, Thomson Reuters, the same fucking mm-hmm. thing. They own the Globe and Mail. They also make billions. Rogers. Rogers owns a lot of different things from McLean's to Chatelaine to fucking sports channels. They make billions. Mm-hmm. Like, do they think we're stupid? Yes, in fact, they do. Because oh, that's <laughs> but, what it is. But I, but I do think like it's not just um, you know stupidity. Like I do think that a lot of people don't necessarily know that because it seems like, especially when you see all of this news of the layoffs that are happening in newsrooms left and right, people get very anxious about. Okay, well maybe it is a dying industry, and maybe I do need to support it uh you know pay through these paywalls because otherwise um you know these journalists are going to continue to be laid off or we won't get new good news or the news will continue to be just fast news and not good in-depth analysis or whatever it is and i don't think that that's like stupidity i think that it's you know so it's it's not obvious that so few people own all of the media in this country that is for sure the case um, I, what, what really gets me so frustrated is that the way that many journalists make this argument, 
uh, talk about average people is it's like you are expected to just be able to afford everything, right? Mm-hmm. You're expected to be able to afford a subscription to the Globe and to the, to the Star and to your local paper, and then you're supposed to pay your your local delivery boy or girl like whatever the fuck, and then you're also supposed to subscribe to the New York Times, um, and maybe a couple of magazines. It's just like, is there not a more rational way that we can establish our systems than to expect people to be nickeled and dimed to this extent mm-hmm. at the same like it's like i you know if, if we're paying money to rogers and i get it's like okay it's rogers wireless but it's not rogers mclean's or whatever the fuck it's like the these these owners they actually don't care about they actually don't care about the industry they don't care about they don't care that people actually need to know what the fuck is going on no and so the dearth and the in the and the, the dearth of analysis and the media concentration it all has its impact on what you can see where people flock online to get their information which is the ontario prouds of the world the uh sites that that are free all the time giving away their news no problem you come and read this and it's like we've transformed the world from where you might go to a coffee shop and pick up the morning paper or whatever, or you only had one morning paper, so it was like a no-brainer that you would just purchase your local paper, to we, we live in a global world, and, and people get global news. And we have got to stop thinking in these terms. There has to be a better way to make sure that when we find out that that maybe the attorney general was kicked out of her job because of the prime minister interfering in an investigation into SNC fucking Lavalin, mm-hmm that everyone has access to it. And it was like one person I saw say, well, you should be able to go, just go to the public library. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Maybe <laughs> that's the maybe that's the solution. Fucking give us pa- passwords. If you're a member of the library, give us passwords. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. us break these paywalls down. Like, I don't think I have access. Maybe I do. Through my library portal, I would guess I need a flyer if I did. <laughs> yeah, if that's the case, that, that just hasn't been perhaps... Um promoted enough because I didn't I I saw that comment as well on Twitter and I didn't know that Um, and I think that part of what's important to discuss is that like the impact that that has on people who have to make really difficult choices in their life about what they're going to be able to spend money on Um, I don't know if people are like having the same sort of issues with WhatsApp that I am where you know I like I have I'm in a, a number of these groups on WhatsApp. Do you have WhatsApp, Nora? I don't. I have no idea what it is. Okay, cool. So WhatsApp is like do you have Signal? Yeah. Okay, so the creators of Signal created WhatsApp. Okay. So WhatsApp's like pre signal. <laughs> it's okay. like the same thing. Um, but uh WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but the idea was anyway. I'm not going to get into like the idea of WhatsApp. <laughs> okay. Most people who are listening to this, I uh, assume, know what WhatsApp is. It's like a precursor to, to Signal, um, and is not at all Signal. And you shouldn't trust WhatsApp in the way that you trust Signal. There's a documentary about it somewhere. You should watch it. Um, <laughs> but WhatsApp is very, very popular um, in a lot of different places, and I'm I'm in a group. I'm in many groups on WhatsApp. Uh, I'm in a group with a lot of family members, and uh, it's really interesting how much news gets shared from very bogus sources um, through WhatsApp. 
And in a country like Brazil, where WhatsApp is, I think, their most popular social media platform, bar none, um, Bolsonaro and his supporters did a lot of organizing on WhatsApp, creating news stories, sharing news stories, creating chain letters, and so on, that would ramp up the feelings of disaffectedness amongst the most marginalized and poor members of Brazilian society and creating conditions that would have people believe that the only possibility for change that would affect their life uh, positively was to elect Bolsonaro. And I'm not saying that there's a bunch of paywalls in Brazil and nobody could get any access to, to news the other way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, with a lack of access to alternatives, this is the kind of thing that's left. You know, you've got these this like kind of WhatsApp weirdness of how people get news, um, and and also the the stuff like Breitbart or whatever that you see online, and, and you've got Rabble, you know, and you've got Now Magazine, and so on, but. You've got a lot of right-wing news sources that are truly just focused on at trying to influence people who don't have access to better sources of information and don't have access to sophisticated types of knowledge. Or time. Or time. Yeah, it, it, it really erodes the quality of what people are able to understand what they're able to act on and it leaves us very vulnerable for exactly that for exactly for being manipulated by nefarious forces for fake news and all this kind of thing and I'm so surprised that we haven't seen a discussion about paywalls as being one of the drivers of fake news because what else is it what else is it is it's not just that people like like fake news like, sure, there's some fake news that's just so over the top that it's like National Enquirer level stuff and people like that. But the ma- vast majority of it is is news that seems important or news that seems to speak to them or whatever. And short of any sort of like, I don't know, licensing or something like that, some sort of body that and like, how do you do that with in a, in a free press world? Like, I don't I'm not arguing for not a free press word. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just saying like short of short of having something that says that's legitimate mm. and that's not. And how do you really do that? Um, and maybe that's a discussion we should have. Like, I don't I don't I don't know. I haven't thought through that kind of thing. I don't think we really have as a society. But short of anything that does that, how do you really tell? Like some of these websites have become, um, you know, they they copy legitimate news sources that they look like legitimate news sources. And so I get all the time from family members um, news stories that I know are fake. Like I can tell um, just because of how much news I consume that I can tell that something is fake. And um, people are sharing this stuff all over the internet and getting fooled by it, people in my own family. Um, And, you know, paywalls are a driver of this kind of thing. What underpins this whole argument, underpins the idea that you need to pay for your news, is that, again, you're in a rational system that 
is funding exactly what people are doing. But we are we exist in a system that is all based on profit, right? The, the there are so few not for profit news sources out there, the, the national broadcaster being one of them, that we are tricked into think into into thinking that like the whole point of the owners of the Globe and Mail is to produce really good journalism it's like that's the job of the journalist that's the job of the editors the publisher wants a new what's a newspaper that is you know good but the owners don't give a fucking rat's ass the owners only want it to make money and so obviously they're going to push us to just give them money and to not quote unquote take it for free but they're they're of course there's ways to do it it's like there could be partnerships there could be incentives for people that if you have your local newspaper then you can get free access like the Toronto Star at least does that with the New York Times pisses me off because I use up all my New York Times um you know five free articles or whatever and then I go to my parents house and I'm like oh fuck here's the free New York Times that I already have read oh I should have not clicked on that link but there there are other ways to, 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 to think about how to fix this. And it's like, you know, again, I can't subscribe to anything more. <laughs> and and some journalists might say, well, let's, you know what, you can't. And you wait for it to hit the public broadcaster. And then that's your, that's the solution out of this mess. But like when I write for something and I write for two paywalled sites, I write for the, for the National Observer, which is a paywalled site. And I, I write for the Washington Post and in both, I think you get five free options and then you're out. So I can't even, I can't even look at my own con- comments because I don't have a Washington Post subscription. I do have a National Observer subscription. And when I share my articles and people are like, oh, no, it's paywall. I can't see it. I'm like, God damn it. This is for you. <laughs> like, I, you know, like we, we, we actually yeah. do need we need to have analysis. We need to have people have free access to the news. And we know what the consequences are, as you said. It's just, oh my God, it's just so frustrating that we can't get out of this logic, this capitalist logic that is like, well, the news industry is not sustainable and all this kind of stuff. It's like, my partner's father worked for the Toronto Star for his whole career. And the stories of the decisions that they made around the internet, around subscriptions, because he was in he was on the business side of the of the star... It's like these were not good decisions necessarily. They're decisions made back then to make as much money as possible and it ended up biting them in the ass later on. Like like what like do you have a specific example? There's one example I remember this is not for my for my partner's father, but there was one example I remember um that I that was talked about in journalism school, which was that when the internet came around, the 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 star hired uh their digital wing of journalists to be out of the union so they didn't have to pay them anything. And so they created this like group of highly skilled and talented, uh, basically internet journalists, right, or or design or or coders or whatever. And none of them had any job security, and so they were like out of the door the first round of cuts for the when the star had to make cuts. And so they by placing by placing these units outside of the of the bargaining unit and giving them no job protection and paying them as little as possible. They actually lost the chance to build uh, the internet, uh, the, the the site in a way of like with staff who were there for a long time. Like they couldn't retain anybody. And so the the impact on the quality of how the Toronto Star adopted the internet was was actually kind of evident, I guess, at the time. 
again, it's I, I tell that story more to talk about the, the 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 false decisions that are that are made when when your bottom line is profit. And it gets in the way of a lot of public service journalism, obviously. And and that and with the Toronto Star, it's like the biggest crime because the Toronto Star also is the place that does have workplace health and safety uh, investigations. It has information about City Hall. It has information that you need to know about living in, in the city of Toronto. And there's a lot of really good public public good journalism. It does. It, it's a critical it's a critical document for people to have access to and so we have to think of ways to get that newspaper into people's hands and in a in a capitalist model i i just don't see how you can do it because someone has to make profit whereas at least if it's a not-for-profit which is an interesting experiment that's happening right now with la presse in montreal so we will have to see what happens with that experiment and i can talk maybe a little bit more about that in a second but like giving away copies in apartment buildings or giving away copies in, in, in places where people can get a hold of it is, is an option, but you're giving away so many newspapers at the dawn of the internet era. What's the corollary of giving away newspapers to like allowing free certain people to have free access or, or a certain kind of free access on your website or a certain level of premium content that you do have to pay for. That's, that's, built around an amount that's actually sustainable but that doesn't close your entire news organization's output off to an entire group of people yeah and I just I'm just always like really frustrated with people who can't think beyond user fees right for a way to fund something like why is that always the answer I would just charge the person who's getting the end experience like why is that always the answer? Not everything is walking into the store and buying a pair of jeans that you're going to wear for yourself. That's not how the news works. That's it's it's a it's a the news is like a public document. <laughs> it's like when yeah. when the news gets told, it's told again and again, and it's not told to fit just one person. Like even if you like really agree with like a capitalist frame of thinking and owning stuff, like nobody just owns the news. I didn't just buy the news and now Nora doesn't get access to my news because it's mine that I've put in my closet. Like Nora has the same news. Like is there <laughs> is there not another way to think about how to fund it that makes sense you know what I mean it's like we understand like for health or like insurance or or things like that that it might make sense to have things be collectivized like is there a way to collectivize like I'm not I don't have a specific model in mind just so folks know but I'm just thinking like doesn't it make sense to collectivize something that's so collective Mm. (laughs) like why it just doesn't make sense um, for it to be an end user like ex- like thing, it just like the the corporate like user fee model just doesn't make sense for it. Same with like in the same way as edu- with education or the use of public space or you know the use of I don't know firefighters. Like it doesn't. It's not. <laughs> it's not like a I'm buying this one thing. It's it should be a collective thing, and I'm not saying like that I'm not I'm not leading towards okay so the government should pay for the news um in a way that the government like produces the news it's not where I'm going for people I'm just like anticipating the way that people will (laughs) uh, (laughs) respond to some of this that's not what I'm saying there's other models of collective 
um, funding something that we could that we could look at. Or people could be honest and be like, sorry, this is not actually for poor people, period. I mean, sorry, you know, sorry, the Globe Mail is not for poor people. And because it's not for poor people, it's it's not for I know it's like it's not for their democracy either. Right. Like then stop pretending that what you're doing is to, to educate people to have a stronger democracy, because if you have a barrier to people getting access to the news, then they can't participate in democracy. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird myths around this. Like, like the history of Canadian news is, like, for the first period of newspapers in Canada, they were propaganda wings of the political parties. Like, direct. They were, that's literally why they existed. And, um, you know, there's some vestiges of that kind of still. Like, the Toronto Star is more liberal and... Certainly the Toronto Sun is sliding into and all of the suns are sliding into like (laughs) literally being PR tools of the conservative government. Maybe we should have done a whole episode on why that's bad. But they don't have paywalls. Well, the sun did have a paywall after 10 articles. Really? I don't see it. They did. Although, yeah, do check that out while I'm talking because I'd be interested to see if it's still there. Um, But they... Like that that was the that was the origin of of the news. And then, of course, the rise of like independent, uh, accurate, unbiased news that was untied from a political party is the kind of news that, you know, most people expect their newspaper to give them. You know, tell them what's going on in their town. Give us an analysis of what the politicians are saying. Investigate corruption. Keep politicians honest or whatever. And the Internet really has changed that. It, it it blew open the fact that newspapers are funded by subscriptions, right? Like I've heard some journalists talk about that their only job was to put words between ads mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. back in the day. And, and that has completely changed. And so if that has completely changed, then, then if we haven't figured out how to have a widespread access to news sources, then that role is completely changed and maybe it already has changed maybe that's why we're so struggling with fake news and we don't know what to do about it because we actually are way beyond the point the point of no return which is actually probably where we are (laughs) just uh i hope that's not true i hope that we can figure it out before um news becomes completely useless <laughs> and i don't mean completely useless like just not in useful in the way that it was once useful you know as an actual way to find out and um you know information about what's going on in our world um that is somewhat divested from certain types of political forces but maybe that's impossible in the internet world yeah, like the 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 that cruel mix of paying for your access to your, you know, like your internet usage every single month and being under the thumb of your of your uh, IP maybe, you know, we still have net neutrality, so that's good, but you know, it's you know anyone's guess what's going to happen in the next couple of years with net neutrality and um and again, we have the ex- we have any number of websites that we can consult to inform ourselves. I just, I guess I'm confused that, you know, 
we don't hear more about people talking about the need to to become more open and instead the chorus from journalists very consistently is paywall 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 you can't get this for free paywall you can't get this for free and it's just fucking goofy it's like i don't know maybe we just need to like make sure rogers like sees their profits <laughs> <laughs> right this is a this is a, this is a crisis of capitalism really it's like sorry guess what you're going to restrict you're going to restrict the like information because information is only serving your profit and your bottom line. And then people don't have enough knowledge for who they're electing. And so they elect Doug Ford. It's not hard. Oh, yeah. It's all working together to just careen us towards backwardness. <laughs> I guess I don't know what to say to careen us towards like a really, uh, much more terrible worlds than we live in right now. Yay, wonderful. Well, maybe a way to end this is what what are your favorite places to get news? Oh. Um, I don't I don't know if I have a favorite. I tend to listen to the radio in the morning. I really like radio as a source of news. Um, which is also free. How the fuck do they maintain that? I don't know. Maybe they're just going to have to start having like um, pay. I was trying to think of like, you know, a wall is like a good analogy for the eye because you can't like see past certain types of walls, not the type of wall that Trump is building, but certain types of walls you can't see past. <laughs> um, but like a, a soundproof room, pay, <laughs> pay room. I don't, I don't, there is no analogy. It's not good. It doesn't pay, work. Pay access. So yeah. yeah pay no, no, no. access for the radio. Um, yeah. I don't know how they would do that. How would they do that? Couldn't. Those airwaves are f- public property, which is a whole other issue because the internet is not public property. Mm-hmm. Now there's something interesting to discuss. Huh? <laughs> nationalized communications i don't know can we do it um but yeah i like to to get my uh, my news from uh the radio i like to to look at mainstream news sources um on the internet also in paper form specifically i like to read the toronto star i like to read now magazine those are typically the types of things I'll have like in hand. And mm. then a smattering of other types of um, news sources, usually throughout uh, the Internet. And then alternative news like Rabble and Briarpatch and things like that, which tend to go a little bit more in depth in a way that I like to read about it. Nice. I asked that question because we did get um, a message from someone that listens to the podcast and she was asking, where do I get my news? Um, Looking for alternatives. And I had to be honest and say, I get my news from the most mainstream sources there are out there. You know, that's journalists are journalists. They do good work by and large for what we need on the basics. But it's it is funny because I, I don't like I used to have the Toronto Star open all the time and I would read as Mm -hmm. like news was put on the front page I would notice that the stories changed this is I'm talking like me too actually I used to do that too I would watch it update yeah yeah. I just have it and just watch it update yeah this was a decade ago which is now something I don't do no no not even interesting Mm -hmm. um and so I I tend to get my stuff through uh 
Twitter, really. I use Twitter mostly as a news aggregator. And um, and so I'm definitely uh, reading as much as I can that I can access, whether or not I can't read the star anymore and can't really read the globe too often. But, you know, thank goodness that most of the Canadian press copy you can find somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and CBC. Um, I, I, read, uh, I read a lot of CBC because that's where you're going to get uh, provincial English language coverage. Although... Back to what I had mentioned before, um, so La Presse, which is the, which owns, well, La Presse is a a newspaper daily in Montreal. They are um, going to a not-for-profit model. They've asked the government to approve their change. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so time will tell to see if this works. I am very excited to see if this this works. And I'm very surprised that no one outside of Quebec has talked about La Presse doing they're not maybe not no one but it's not like being commonly talked about like oh what an interesting model maybe we should consider this model for the Toronto Star for example but um but yes that is something to watch to see um if they if it works if it if they survive or if uh I don't know for some reason uh no one pays for it but you know as Goldsby said on on Twitter you know you have to I think it was Goldsby I I hope it was if it wasn't uh, maybe I'll correct myself later but, you know, you have to also make people want to buy your news, yeah. <laughs> which is a whole other thing. Yeah. It's true. And it's true. So can we all try harder? Try harder. Not work harder. Try harder. Let's all try harder. Be better. Be better.